What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to, email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. All right, all right, here we go. Episode of Raw recap, episode NXT recap, Super Tuesday. Look, we'll start off with Raw, man. And I tell you, I saw a lot of negative responses on on Twitter, and I wasn't really digging what they were saying. And, of course, when that happens, I either got to tag in with a terrible take or I rewatch to educate myself. And I decided to rewatch to educate myself. I, I think I came away with, in, in agreement with what a lot of you guys are saying, and, and I think it all comes from the same place, though. When I hear a lot of guys complain or a lot of people complain about wrestling, it's about, you know, what is what Vince wants to do and all that kind of stuff. And I, I always hated that narrative because not one person on Twitter works for Vince McMahon that tweets about how terrible what they're doing is. And I, I think that's a... It's a it's a it's a weak excuse as a wrestling fan to hang your hat on something that you don't have the full input on, especially when you rely on the wrestling observer and all that other stuff for your information. Because the biggest issue I have with the dirt sheets, as they're called, is that there's always a this was the plan, but and and that always bothered me again because nobody there is working, and yes, of course. There's people who leak stuff all the time, right? And shout out to the cricket that's joining the episode. Where is this son of a bitch at? Anybody who knows how to make cricket traps for the basement, hit me up on Twitter at TW Takes Podcast. Hit me up on Instagram at TW Takes Podcast. Send me an email with a link to any website to help make cricket traps for your basement at Bishop. TWTakes at gmail.com. Other than that, the cricket's just going to join the show because I don't know where he is. Okay, so with a pause button and a little bit of luck, the cricket has been safely removed and placed into the turtle tank. And shout out to the turtles because they got a little midnight snack. Um, for all you click cricket lovers, my bad. But hey, the show must go on. So like I was saying, I don't really get into the Vince wanted this or the plans changed for that. Because I can't control any of that, and I can only control what I see. And what I saw in Raw was just a very plain Jane show. And what I didn't like about that show is you, you're you not giving me the reason to watch. Because, like a lot of you guys said, oh, this is where Randy Orton's going to win at the end of the night. And I'm like, come on, just watch. You just never know. And, I mean, you guys are right, you know. Uh, Randy Orton lose lose has to win like for their perspective supposedly according to the experts like Bully Ray and Mark Henry it all has to do with making sure that a wrestler doesn't get too far behind the eight ball in a wins loss capacity unlike AEW who actually tracks it and I get that but from the perspective of what I'm particularly watching I don't think Randy Orton goes anywhere down the ladder by taking four or five losses in a row he easily just says this is bullshit challenges the number one contender and then can get a dub 
you know, what they really could have done with this triple threat on Raw was surprise us. Give us a Keith Lee win. Give us a Seth win. Not only have Seth win, but that's where everybody goes, well, Seth is going to lose because, you know, whatever the case, but Seth actually win at Clash of Champions. Like, surprise us. And I think that's where I agree with you guys, that even if it's a paint-by-numbers, if there's no surprise and everything's obvious, then why are we watching? Catch a podcast to get your recap, right? Do what a buddy at work does and just watch it on YouTube. You know, oh yeah, I saw the highlights on YouTube. They're there for what it's worth to keep you engaged at some point, but when are they going to put something on there or am I going to have to say something to you to get you guys to watch a full three-hour episode? And if the answer is almost never, it's like, well, that's a tough one, you know? Because what they're counting on is someone like me who's into it like they were back in the day, except for, you know, not rooting as a child, to stick along for the three hours and just enjoy what they give us. And I'm okay with that. But now that I'm I'm doing this podcast and I'm reporting to you guys my take on things, it's kind of hard to individualize what I see and go, oh, just keep faith, just keep faith. Because at the end of the day, you guys have to enjoy it regardless of what I say. And if you guys aren't enjoying it, then I think we kind of have a problem. Now, I think all that stuff can be fixed, though. And it can all be, be fixed through proper storylines, right? Now, when I say proper storyline, you know, we, we were getting that with Keith Lee and Randy Orton. And Randy Orton was even setting himself up pretty good to start the night, you know, with that nice promo he cut. Plus showing that picture, you know, of all the legends that he booted um, laying in the hospital beds. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, and then it comes out with Keith Lee and then Keith Lee into the Dolph match. But I think that's part of what, you know, you guys are talking about, about things being, you know, so obvious. Like Dolph never wins anything. And a lot of us like Dolph. You know, I'm not a huge, huge fan, but that I see title storytelling that he did with The Miz a couple years ago was just, I mean, it was off the charts. I actually saw one of the matches live and it's just a some really, really good ability to wrestle and minimal mic work that applies to the story and Dolph can give you all of that but this you know this part really isn't about Dolph it's it's about Keith Lee and Randy Orton and you know where are we going but if maybe we're going to a point where Randy Orton wins and Keith Lee goes for the title at Survivor Series I'm okay with that too and if this is how we get there okay but you know it's just a little hard to keep keep being invested, which it seems like a lot of you guys have to deal with, you know, on a on a show to show basis, and and why a lot of people turn off because it's like, all right, we know Randy Orton's going to win, kind of like I said about the Iron Man match, you know, if it's going to be an hour, you know, I'll check in at the thirty forty five minute mark on NXT, and that'll show me everything I need to know about the match because the last fifteen minutes there'll be a counter at the bottom of the screen, blah blah blah, so. So we get Keith Lee and, and Dolph Ziggler, which is a really good match. And, you know, Keith Lee moves on, but to a match that, you know, seems pretty damn predictable, right? Um, after that in the show was Mickey James. And I tell you, um, all respect, you know, given, I just don't need it. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay without Mickey James. 
you know, she's a good athlete, uh, wrestles good, but she does nothing for me. And when she did the storyline with, I believe it was Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss uh, two, three years ago, where she came out as the luchadora and was, it's, I don't know, I don't know, she doesn't add up for me, you know, I, maybe, maybe it's because she doesn't get a lot of screen time, or when she did before, she's a different character than she is now, because even now, like, she was definitely easier to watch, but maybe that's because, you know, she was dealing with Lana and Natty, and they're actually doing some pretty good stuff. I mean, Lana's a lot more comfortable on the microphone in her real voice than the Russian stuff. She thinks a little bit better on her feet. I thought Lana's Wolverine outfit was pretty dope. The OG Wolverine from the 90s cartoons. You know, but the match is going to get us to Asuka, maybe. I mean, it sounded like Asuka wanted to do a, a fatal four-way for her title. You know, you guys know my opinion on Asuka. Asuka's as good as it gets. Uh, potentially the best technical women's wrestler of all time, you know, in, in my opinion. But, uh, again, is it was, it was the segment probably took less time than I'm already putting on it. You know, after that, the Aleister Black KO stuff. And I told you, man, I'm down for the match. I, I am. I'm really down for the match. I love Aleister Black with the minimal talking badassery i mean that's what we got in nxt really no promos needed and then just ass kicking but i don't necessarily like the way they're going about it i don't need ko to continue to look like a fool um because they're both better than that honestly like alistair doesn't need to do sneak attacks even if it's at randy orton's request uh but he didn't sneak attack him on the ko show you know uh I don't know, man. Like, get us there, right? So, if I'm going to be here for three hours, like, talk to me. Show me something. Give me a story. Not just something's wrong with Aleister Black because he ran into the Messiah. Now he's changed like The Fiend does? No. But this is where it confirmed to me, you know, that Randy Orton was going to win at the end of the night. He was given zero adversity in the match against KO. And he's the freshest competitor, you know, but also it's a gratuitous win. He didn't need it. Again, is, is this the Randy Orton can't lose three times in a row? But even then, he beats KO, therefore he can lose in the triple threat. It's the first thing that crossed my mind, and I'm like, no. This is Randy weaseling his way into a title shot, but for what? Because we saw the match, we liked the match, and that's it. But did they put themselves in a corner by the way they finished the match? And now everybody wants more? I don't know. I don't really know. I really don't think that might even be the right way to put it. I think that the story should be over. Randy should move on to Keith Lee. Somebody should sneak into a title shot, potentially win. Randy take the belt and then, you know, do his thing. But that's, the, that's my problem with SummerSlam. A problem with SummerSlam is Randy should have been the champ walking out. He's doing, again, he's doing the best work of his career. Even in the triple threat match, dude was on fire. He was looking better than I've ever seen him wrestle. Me, me personally, I am not a Randy Orton guy. Randy is not 
my cup of tea per se. And it's just from a character thing, right? But what he did in this match was wrestle with an arrogance and the ability combined. You know, I remember Triple H saying and, you know, hearing a lot of other people say, but Triple H definitely, you know, Randy's the most gifted wrestler he's ever seen. It's just whether he wants to do it or not. And this this was the first match I go, he wants to do this. You know, the the matches with Edge, you know, you could see the respect of moving up to Edge's level. But this was literally him wrestling his level with the other guys. And, you know, to him, you know, I applaud that because it's the first time I watched Randy Orton and, and be hooked by just Randy Orton. And you guys know my feelings on Keith Lee. I could have just been hooked on Keith Lee the entire match. But the shit that Randy Orton was doing was just on another level than I remember seeing before. And moving on to the Hurt Business, you know, I had a couple issues with the Hurt Business again. And I keep justifying it to myself, but I can only justify it to myself if it makes sense with you guys. So please give me some feedback on this. Because if not, it's just a straight up terrible wrestling take. The Hurt Business can't fight within the rules. Now, the hole in that is Bobby Lashley beat Apollo Crews with the rules. But when they are in the ring, they have to abide by wrestling rules. And whatever those are nowadays, it fucks with the Hurt Business's ability to win. Now, that whole 50-50 booking thing, I don't think that applies on a nightly basis when they're in the ring and then Raw Underground. Because when the Hurt Business loses in the ring then goes to Raw Underground and kicks ass. It's now starting to feel like they can only win, especially as a unit, when there are no rules. And that's in Raw Underground. Now, I don't know how you have this long term, especially since, like I said last time, the Hurt Business took over Raw Underground after week one, but not since did they say that it was theirs. They're still asking permission to go in there. And maybe that's not the right thing to do here. You know, but as long as they go there and look dominant in there, they still maintain credibility. Because again, if they can't do it within the rules, they can always bust your ass outside the rules. And I'm okay with that. Now up to the dud of the night, and it's not even close. This fucking Iconics Riot Squad match, I tell you, I, I'm, I could not be more pissed off at whatever this potential storyline or Vince-ism is supposed to be. You have two divisions for the women, singles and tag team. And you are currently not giving us much of either. There's very minimal storyline, and your last two tag team champions have not been a team. They have been lifelong friends, And barely not friends. Frenemies, if you will. And if those are your two tag team champions that have held the belts for who knows how long, why on earth would you break up the fucking Iconics? Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan just came back. And I get it. This is what they do. But I'm I'm cool with it. I'm with you guys on this. This is bullshit. This is the shit they do that makes people not want to watch. If I was a kid, I'd be an Iconics fan. Iconics are funny, they are entertaining, and they don't look foolish in the ring. 
They only show a little bit of foolishness like at the end of matches that don't go their way or even other instances that don't go their way. Then they start looking silly and a little foolish. But the overall, they're literally, literally like breaking up the Usos. They've known each other since they were children. They have done nothing but tag teams since they showed up. And now you want to break them up? Just because rumor has it, seen it from one of my guys on Twitter, that Vince likes Peyton Royce more than Billy Kay. Look, again, I understand that. And maybe we can make a star out of her. And Because I actually I said the same thing when they were in NXT. The problem is, I grew to like the Iconics. So why don't you just keep them together, find a way to get Peyton Royce a singles opportunity, and keep Billy Kay as the hype man? You're not breaking up the New Day to have Big E go on the run. Keep Billy Kay with Peyton Royce. Because if Sasha and Bailey can team together at the drop of a hat, then why would you break up a team instead of have them wrestle solo at the drop of a hat? It is fucking terrible, terrible storytelling. Because your story fucking sucks. The Iconics, while not the greatest, were legit your only women's tag team that has at least been doing it for more than 15 fucking minutes. Now again, I'm still down with the Riot Squad. I've been a huge fan of Ruby Riot from the beginning, okay? I've been a supporter of Liv Morgan by seeing some of her personal stuff. I really want to see her succeed. She's dealt with some demons, and she uses wrestling and her character to help release those demons, and by all means, I'm with you. I am with you. So I I would love to see her succeed, and I love this formation of the Riot Squad. Shout out to Sarah Logan. Would be nice to see you back, but heard you got the baby going on. Shout out to Roe, Eric Rowe, Sarah Logan's husband in real life, if you didn't know. Two of them are expecting, last I saw. You know, but to break up the Iconics, I just think it's such a shitty move. Because you really just don't have any other tag teams around. And the tag team title holders are friends for now. Enemies for most. Just doesn't make sense at all. The only good part about the Iconics breaking up is when Billy Kay cries, she looks like Lucy. So she gets the I love Lucy treatment when she cries. But yeah, beyond that, man, I'm just a little little bothered that, you know, you're, you have no fluid storylines for singles. You break up a tag team to go to singles. You, so therefore, you diminish your tag team division and don't even have your singles on point. It's just stupid. Moving on to the Rollins-Dominic match. You know, I, I heard Bully Ray say that... I heard Bully Ray saying that Seth Rollins and Murphy have been carrying... Dom- Shout out to Cricket 2.0. Might have to find him for another snack. He said that, you know, they, they carry Dominic. They, they get in all the right positions for Dominic to succeed. And, you know, that's great. That's a fantastic thing. You know, but I think that this discredits a lot of what we see on TV as far as presentation goes. Now, that could be 100% right, but the, the thing is is that we shouldn't necessarily care about that because if you're a kid, and I swear on anything, most of you guys, if you were like eight or nine, Dominic's probably your favorite wrestler right now. The stuff he does is so cool. He is not hateable at all. You know, I, I think 
the things he does, the way it looks, and albeit if it's Murphy and Rollins, then great. You know, but that's what this is supposed to be. We know who Murphy and Rollins are. Now we know who Dominic is. Now Dominic is some kid's favorite wrestler. That's what this is all about. And not only that, if it takes him wrestling Murphy and Rollins to make everything look good until he wrestles Dolph Ziggler, till he wrestles, wrestles Shelton Benjamin, till he wrestles Ricochet, like, we're going to get all these matches at some point. He's just a kid, too. So who cares about, you know, him being carried? Just watch the match. Yes, give them their props. But also, let's allow the kids to feel like kids, you know? Don't... Don't break the glass, you know, don't lift the curtain. But I think the most interesting part of this match is how it started off. You know, it started off with the Seth Rollins promo kicking Murphy to the curb. And what's his redemption going to be? What's Murphy going to do to get back in the good graces of Seth Rollins? You know, he's not going to go after Ray because Ray's down with the tricep. And from a, a, a pure TV and entertainment standpoint, he can't do anything to Dominic to take Dominic off TV because we need him here. We want him here. Dominic's doing some, again, like I said, some really fun stuff. And I, I could, I'm pretty damn sure if you put a shirt out there, even if it just says Dominic's my favorite wrestler with some question marks on it, they're going to sell out of kid sizes. It's just a gut feeling I have. So I want to touch base on, on Raw Underground as a whole. And I think what... Maybe some people aren't understanding about Raw Underground. Said so it's very similar to the 24-7 championship. Say what you want about the 24-7 championship. It does two things. It entertains people in whatever way that may be. But it also gives anybody who needs an ounce of screen time the opportunity for screen time. Yes, they'll write it into whoever it is. And when you need a chuckle, our truth will be that guy. And he has been. The stuff he's done with the 24-7 championship has been pretty funny. You know, he shits on it, but it's that's the joke. The joke is the joke. They're very well aware on the weight that that title doesn't hold. But that's why it's there. It's there as a prop to get people on TV to provide a little bit of entertainment. Now, the opposite is with Raw Underground. I don't necessarily think it's to make Titus O'Neil look like a legit badass, but I think it's to take someone who looks like Titus O'Neil, who's got muscles on his knuckles, a platform to show them off, you know, and he, he wore jeans. I, I can't remember who it was, maybe Peter Rosenberg, possibly Sam Roberts. They, they've been asking for Titus to cover his legs up, add more gear to below the waist because he's, he's just a, a really big dude. While he's in there raw underground with jeans on, big old arms, muscles everywhere, beats a dude up. Looks pretty good. You got to see Titus not falling underneath a ring. By the way, Riddick Moss. Remember when he was Mojo's offensive lineman? Where's Mojo? But where's Riddick Moss? On TV. Every week to every other week. We get an opportunity to see him and... They've tightened it up, too. A lot of this stuff looks a little bit better. Now, also with Raw Underground, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look a little bit further into the forest here. Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, and Shayna Baszler have all showed up on Raw Underground. It is my dream for Ronda Rousey to come back. 
So all of you out there thinking that Brock Lesnar is going to show up on Raw Underground, it very well may be the case. But nobody's saying that Ronda Rousey is going to show up on Raw Underground. Well, I am. Ronda Rousey to Raw Underground. Then beating bitches up. Look, I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I would just like it to. Because it needs to go somewhere. It needs to lead to something. Because it will get old after a while. Let's just say Bobby Lashley's in there and he wins 15 times in a row. What does he get? What's his prize? There is no prize. It's a showcase of legitimate toughness. And you're going to build up Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir, to show that they're as badass as Shayna Baszler. And even if Ronda comes back, there's still no four, four horsewomen because, you know, Becky's pregnant and... It's going to take time, even afterwards, after she gives birth, if she even wants to come back. You know, it's going to take a lot of time for that to happen. So we wouldn't get the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. And if Ronda doesn't come back, maybe we get three and three, right? And that would be a shame because the match we all want to see is Becky and Ronda one-on-one and four horsewomen versus four horsewomen. So if you're out on Raw Underground, I do say this. Keep checking it out. Keep giving it a shot because week by week, we continue to get new people in there. You know, they took out the Viking Raiders and Dolph Ziggler this week and they put Titus O'Neil in. They they put Riddick Moss back in. They gave us Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. So, you know, there's a chance that this thing continues to introduce new talent or can just continue to give older talent a platform to keep going. So the last couple things on... Raw this week were the Street Profits and Andrade and Garza again. And I tell you, man, this shit's got to stop. Very talented, yes. Very fun, yes. But again, if you're John Jones and you're the light heavyweight champion in UFC, you don't fight the same person over and over again if you keep winning. Street Profits have yet to lose. Stop fighting them. It is done now. Be done. But with that being said, I'm always down for a Tornado Tag Team match. Gives you a good glimpse of back in the day of some cool rule breaks or addendums to get, you know, diversified action. I'm okay with that if that was the SummerSlam match for the tag team titles. And then you end it. But like the Street Profits said, they're going to be running up the score because all they do is win. All they do is score on them. They don't lose. They don't. The Street Profits don't allow... Angel Garza and Andrade to win and that's their job but they have to keep doing it and doing it and they're like fine we'll keep winning and winning it's just it's not a good look this match ended with retribution coming through and look I'm not going to look into the aftermath of what they did because honestly it seemed stupid you get Garza running off with the chick from the bachelor which she's actually doing a pretty decent job I mean, the acting's not 100%, but neither's most wrestlers, right? But when they took off, I thought that was it. And then Retribution takes over the ring, and then Retribution meets up with them in the back, and then Garza and the chick from The Bachelor both take off, and then nothing happens. So what is Retribution doing here? Why is this happening still? Now, to me, the only saving grace we can have with Retribution is that the leaders never show up in black. 
when we finally figure out who the leaders are, they don't reveal themselves from hoods and masks. Because if they do, then that means every person underneath the hood and the mask is some type of wrestler. Because I, I don't see... But let's, let's, let's look at it this way, right? How many guys have faith in storytelling of WWE and 30 wrestlers? And now, add up everyone you've seen in Retribution. Let's say they all unmask. Are you good with that storyline telling that they're going to do? What storyline are you going to get with 30 more wrestlers? It doesn't make sense. So you need to keep Retribution kind of what it is, under cloak, under mask, but have the leaders pulling strings from somewhere else. That's why I kind of like my idea of Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns pulling the strings on Retribution, but now it doesn't make sense because Roman's champ. You know, but that's SmackDown talk. We'll figure that out then. You know, if Retribution shows up on Friday, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit more out of it. But Retribution's not showing any legs, man. I, and I need to see something. I, I need to see something or I'm, I'm going to tap out. I'm going to say, go ahead. And then by the time they do, uh, I'm, I'm whatever with it. You know, they're not going to pull, you know, John Moxley away from AEW and make Dean Ambrose the head of Retribution. That's kind of the only way. And... Call this a terrible wrestling take. I ain't a CM Punk fan. Never could be. I got into it after he left. I heard all the CM Punk chants. I went back and watched every CM Punk match that I could. And I don't get it. I don't understand why you guys like him. He just, he doesn't add up to me. So, look. If CM Punk's the leader of Retribution and you guys are happy with it, I'm happy for you. I'll watch and I'll enjoy for what story gets told. And then maybe organically I can get into CM Punk. But I've been watching since CM Punk left, well after CM Punk left. And I haven't missed him. And I haven't been looking forward to him. So that, there's your terrible wrestling take for this section of the podcast. Take a little break then I'll hit you up with my NXT recap for this week. Here is your 30-minute transition. This could be an ad but it's just me letting you know I had to drag over a different file. Okay, so here we go. NXT time. You know, I, I, I should start out by saying that I left out one important factor from last week's NXT recap, and that's the return of Wade Barrett. Shout out to Stu Bennett. You know, I watched uh, like two episodes of NWA Power when it first came out that he was on commentary after Cornette fucked up. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, I have I was a fan of Wade Barrett. I liked everything that he did, really. You know, he just seemed like he got overlooked a lot. And uh, I, I liked the commentary that I heard. Uh, NWA Power just wasn't for me. Um, I'm glad a lot of people liked it, but it just wasn't for me. So when he showed up, I was like, oh, shit, there goes Wade Barrett. Back at it. On WWE TV, and you know, maybe we get a return to the ring. But it sounds like he's done, you know, it sounds like he's fine being retired, which is cool. But one thing I felt listening to him do NXT commentary is that his voice sounds like wrestling. Uh, you can call that a terrible wrestling take if you want. I don't, and I'm fine with that. But when I listen to him do commentary, uh, it all makes a lot of sense, man. I, I really like it. And come to find out, that with the addition of Wade Barrett comes with the subtraction of Mauro Ranello. And, uh, you know, for all the awesome Mamma Mia's and great matches that he called and references and all that stuff, I was a fan through it all. 
Uh, he made me really keep going on NXT after Graves and Saxton left and Phillips. Um, I, I really liked all those guys doing NXT. And they've been having a hard time really nailing down the team during uh, COVID-19. And I, I think I like the, the way this booth looks. It seems Vic Joseph, Beth Phoenix, and Wade Barrett still kind of have to find how their puzzle pieces fit. But I think it's going to be a good look. It, they're, they're young enough. They have a vibrance when they talk about it. No one overshadows anyone else. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fit. So we'll see what happens going forward. Um, also, too, with the, with the subtractions, um, never got a chance to say thank you to Renee. Uh, Renee Young's another one, another talent put on WWE TV that really pulled me in, kept me watching. And for her to go, um, hopefully she goes to a space where I can watch her do anything. You know, she, she was a former broadcaster in Toronto on a regular sports station. She loves wrestling. And maybe she does something wrestling related, maybe not. But if she doesn't, I think we all should support her because... She gave us a lot of content to watch, and she gave an addition to the product that we like. So to thank her for that, I don't see why we can't you know, keep paying attention to her going forward. So up first on this episode of NXT, while we're all waiting for this 60-man Ironman match at the end of the night, was a six-man tag between Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Swerve Scott, and El Fantismo's group. And I tell you, it was... A fun match, man. Tyler Breeze and Fandango are really doing some some good stuff. And like I said on the other NXT one, man, uh, Swerve Scott is good. He is really damn good, and I'm I'm glad he's on NXT. And hopefully he gets a chance at you know some some top tier titles, you know sooner rather than later. I know they're positioning him at this point to go for cruiserweight title which is fine but this is a guy who's going to be north american champion he's going to be nxt champion I, I could see that happening and i don't know why it can't you know but all in all the six-man tag match was a really great way to start the show really added some energy to what's what's going on and also a uh enough action without taking up everything uh going outside of the box with swerve scott and I believe Fandango jumping off the pallet that was on a raised forklift covered with a whole bunch of stuff. If you're familiar with pallets, you know exactly what that was that they climbed on. Next up was um, Candice LeRae and, and Casey Catanzaro. And Kate, Casey Catanzaro is another one from the Mae Young Classic that caught my eye. She does that cool thing where she climbs up the post at the beginning of the match and jumps over the rope. But if you go back and watch the Mae Young Classic, you see her bouncing all over the ropes doing some really cool shit. That you've never really seen people do before. And I think if you guys take a look at that, you'll kind of understand the talent level she has. And, you know, maybe be okay with the position she's in now. Because she has a great personality, some really cool looking athleticism. It's just a matter of her getting the opportunity to really go forward. And maybe, I forgive me for not remembering the girl's name. But maybe with who she's tagging with, they might get a shot at the women's tag team titles because the girl she's tagging with I know is a legit Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and they can complement each other as striker and high flyer and I don't know you know just those, those are the kind of things that you you got to like to see to give pe- people this screen time but what what you also 
need to pay attention to in this part is what I was saying about the Raw episode. Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and, and even Casey Catanzaro tonight were, were being positioned differently than they do on Raw or SmackDown. You saw a depth to Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox through the vignette, but you even saw a presentation of who Casey Catanzaro was in her wrestling. There was no afterthought of who the second person was. They got like three times the time that Lana and Mickey James did on Raw, and it was with zero of the on-mic work. Yet you still have, at least me, had more fun watching Cat and Zero versus Candice LeRae because you got to see more wrestling. Lana did like three moves, got kicked in the head, you know, and it's because they rely so much on her personality and her ability to say stuff on the mic and quite honestly how good she looks where's where's the reps in the wrestling ring you know my wife and i've been to a bunch of house shows and one of our favorite people to watch on house shows is carmella she does this you know the screaming and the the dancing and all that stuff and house shows it's the it's the most fun when she's on her on her shit and i know a lot of people shit on carmella but carmella gets eight minutes on a house show two and a half on smackdown or raw you know, if you give Lana the chance, and I know house shows are not really happening right now, but if you give Lana the chance to get those reps, maybe she she can be that entertaining in the ring. Because we all know she's an athlete. You know, she does the, she has a dancing background, a, a gymnastics background. She can do wrestling. It's just a matter of reps properly, you know. But that's where when people get used to get on Roman shit about not being good on the mic, well, you have some people that are too good on the mic and not good enough in the ring. You know, you got to pick one here. You know, but that's that's just a tangent on the women's division and, and how things are kind of looking. And, and just, you know, keep an eye on that. But there's one thing that NXT, I mean, look, they, they revamped the women's division so quickly. Yet Raw and SmackDown aren't fitting them in properly. It's just how people see things. I had a guy on Twitter tell me that, well, I responded to his saying that, Vince and Hunter need to hang it up. And I, I was just responded with, that's a terrible wrestling take. Because Hunter does a thing with his women's division that makes everybody look credible. They got rid of so much talent, and then all of a sudden there's an influx of talent behind it. And then he still puts them prevalent on the shows. To all effect, you know, that Triple H and Road Dogg are, are writing all the episodes. So... You know, where's where's that kind of love on the main roster for the women's division to make everybody look credible? And they only got a two-hour show. Now, yes, they do worry about less less people, but what they do a great job is the vignettes. And I remember hearing Road Dog talk about how he he feels like his ability to produce video segments is an asset that you know, he brings to the table above the rest, and look, it's working, so, anyway, that's, you know, again, why I stick up for women's wrestling, because when, when the time is put into them, and they're allowed to showcase their athleticism, it's good stuff, now, that followed up with my guy, Bronson Reed, and I only say my guy, because he, he, he pulled me in, man, his charisma pulled me in, and this is, a Keith Lee moment where they change him from Thick Boy to the Colossal. 
and Thick Boy rolls off the tongue. Thick Boy is of the times. Thick Boy is better than Colossal. But Bronson Reed is buying in. He's presenting himself as the Colossal, showing a little bit more strength, and I'm down for it. I'll let this one ride for sure, like I did Keith Lee, but this one is is something where it seemed that the character was Thick Boy, and Bronson Reed was the man playing Thick Boy, and now it just seems as it more of an adjective that Colossal is what Bronson Reed is. So it's going to be cool to see how he kind of pushes it forward. Uh, Austin Theory getting involved in the match. Um, it actually kind of helped everybody. It helped Bronson Reed because he's the big guy that needed to be taken down by outside interference. It gets Timothy Thatcher a win, in which he was doing great in the match anyway. It wasn't like either one of them were really outmatched, but the, the real win came from you know outside interference, which, you know, like I said, helps Reed. But Thatcher still got a legit win. It looked like he was on his way anyway. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was a very powerful match, and Timothy Thatcher got a much-needed win. So before I get into the main event, I do want to just shout out again to the women's division. Ray Ripley, Mercedes Martinez, vignettes. That's all you need. Come through and watch them. Don't skip over that shit. Don't, don't hit mute and go make a sandwich. I tell you, Ray Ripley, I've been hooked for a long time. And I, I, can't, I can't say it enough how much I think she is the now and the future of women's wrestling. I mean, she's like 23, 24. You know what I mean? She has fucking 10 years of just outstanding whatever she wants to do. Uh, And of course, we all have whatever we want to do. But, you know, we never really seen a woman wrestle full time for that amount of time. And and she, she could be the first woman to do that nonstop until her 40s. Who cares? But when you look at Mercedes Martinez buying into Ray Ripley, and this isn't old versus young. This is the best now with someone who thinks that they've been the best for a long time without ever getting a shot. Well, this is now, in my opinion, Mercedes Martinez's time to show us why she feels the way she does. Against Rhea Ripley, it's just this is this is going to be a fantastic match. You know, I'll be tuning in next week to make sure I see it. But with that being said, we can get into the reason we are here for the entire episode is the main event. Now, I said last week that well, all I got to do is tune in at 15 minutes left and there'll be a scoreboard up there and I'll know what to watch for the rest of the time. Of course, being a little cynical, but... You know, this podcast is kind of beating me up a little bit on how I see things, and it's it's turning me into, again, more of a cynic based on what's predictable, right? And I think after Monday night, we figured out what was going to happen at the end of this match. And unfortunately, it did happen. The fact that it ended in a fucking tie, just so we can watch again the following week, I- I'm good, man. That That does nothing for me. It was the obvious ending to have two people tie. It doesn't matter who the two were. Yet, you have a tie, so we just wasted two hours because you told us we were going to crown a new champion, and you didn't. 
And that's just being disingenuous. And in this day and age, there's so much wrestling, I still can't get to AEW. Like, how much more do you want me to watch? Oh, I have to watch another two hours next week to make sure that, hey, nobody interferes in the match and we don't have a no contest. Like, enough already. You know, if the obvious is that somebody's going to tie, then don't tie. So, back to my original point. I reclocked it. And with 22 minutes and 40 seconds left, we were all tied up at one. Which means that this is a 22-minute match. In that 22 minutes, we're supposed to determine a winner. And we didn't. So, terrible wrestling take. This match is pretty much match of the year. It's also... The most disappointing match because we got zero finish. A tie when the anticipation and expectation is to crown a champion is not good enough. Now, yes, this isn't WrestleMania, what, 11? Brett and Sean, Iron Man match? I think maybe 12, I don't remember. One of them was Bam Bam, the other one was Brett and Sean. But, yeah, you can't do overrun... Yet, you also said you were crowning a champ. And you fucking didn't. So, what if I don't watch next week because I'm no longer invested? You took up an hour of my time and you didn't give me a champion. Why? Why? Prove to me that that was a good call. Prove to me that I don't have a terrible wrestling take right now. Prove to me that the right call was to have a tie... To now have a one-on-one match. So you had a fatal four-way Ironman match for the number one contendership. And the two people with the most now have to face each other. But that's only because they tied. But I I just, I'm, it's annoying. It's fucking annoying. Because we got enough shit to worry about. Then you're going to throw on a hundred hours a week of wrestling. And expect us to be hooked the whole time. Disingenuous. Didn't like it. But overall, I mean, I, I, I agree with what I said, man. Like, this this is literally potentially match of the year. If you watch the full hour, action nonstop, believability nonstop, great psychology the whole way. But with the deadbeat finish of it ties literally at the one second left mark, it would have been... Again, surprises, right? What's the surprise here? The surprise is Adam Cole misses. William Regal comes down and says, You missed. You did not get your final pin in time. The time ran off the clock. Finn Balor's champion. That's the better way to do it. And then do the obvious. Give us Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the championship the following week or not the following week make it wait until the next takeover or do it at the next pay-per-view so do it at survivor series or class of champions do it at class of champions why not right why not do it that way why have it be done in in, in a predictable fashion you know give us unpredictable and unpredictable would have been no tie a winner on some bullshit right i had him pinned dead to rights it was a two and a half count. And then you could show the timer hitting zero with the ref's hand, like not touching the map, but almost there. Like that's how you get away with a bullshit finish. But this was a dead up. We have to make this even 
so we get another match next week. Why? We don't need it. As fans, we don't need it. We don't need to spend a whole hour and then whatever they feel like putting into a match next week worrying about this vacated title. I like my idea better. Call it a terrible wrestling take. You don't have to. I've called all my takes terrible wrestling takes, so give me credit for the good ones. This match was, again, really fun, potentially match of the year. I just didn't understand why we couldn't get a winner. Would have been nicer to have a winner. But next week, we'll find out who the champion is. We have Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, and it should be good, you know, but you you also got to think as NXT fans, what are we doing with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano? Ciampa's not going after Timothy Thatcher because he'll end up going towards the NXT uh, North America Championship. You know, maybe they bring the band back together, DIY. I doubt it. But anyway, I'm just rambling. So with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Don't forget to follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Share your terrible wrestling takes via voicemail from my pinned tweet or shoot me an email, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. These have been terrible wrestling takes, and I'm the bishop of them. Until next time.